Brothers and sisters, welcome to the LDS Fishers of Men podcast. We are on episode three. Already on episode three. And just as a reminder, I always post a midweek spiritual boost where I usually will take a talk from one of the brethren and I will post it. Um, those are just kind of a, a way to get us through our through the week, keep us spiritual, you know, kind of getting us to uh, to get us through to the weekend. Um, today I had actually had some other some other things planned. I wanted to go into some other things, but I wound up kind of pivoting. Um, I felt it important to cover this topic as I have seen it and am seeing it happen a lot as of late and also just kind of in the past. I think in the last 10 years I've really seen a ramp up with this and what we're going to talk about today is kind of a, I guess there's really no other way to say it, it really is kind of an apostasy from the traditional Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saint doctrine. If anybody gets on YouTube, if you look around, you will see that there are a lot of good YouTube channels that are good LDS people who are putting out some good content. Um, however, that content is not all created equal. There's going to be some content on there that is just straight up uh, wrong. Some of that content is straight up off. And some of that content is straight up misleading. Unfortunately, something that I would deem to be one of those things that it really should be common sense. It really should be one of those things that should be really easy to root out and to discern spiritually, if not just through straight-up common sense. Many of our people are being tossed to and fro by every wind of supposed doctrine that is being presented here. I'm going to just kind of talk from the heart here for a minute. I will get to some scriptures um, that will kind of help to illustrate my point. But for now, let's just let, let us reason together, as Isaiah would say. When I started the podcast, I straight up said I would never, ever monetize anything. Not that I think I even could, but that's just a pledge. Um... I do that for a reason, and that reason is to avoid priestcraft. Um, that would also be a really big indication if somebody ha has monetized things. If they are, if there are any dollars or strings attached to anything that they are putting out, or any uh, service that is attached to anything spiritual that is, ha has prayers attached to it, right? That is a massive red flag. Now, why would I bring that up specifically? There has been a movement with uh, people, and I hate to drop names here, but I'm just going to be I'm going to be open, honest, and raw about my about my stance and where I'm coming from, just so that, you know, I really want to speak plainly here. There are excommunicated members of our church, such as Julie Rowe, who have pushed the energy healing stuff, and along with that, end up pushing a bunch of false doctrine. And at first, it all is, is innocent enough, right? At first... It's, you know, it's, it's about visions, it's about Zion, about redeeming Zion, it's about, you know, maybe tent cities or something like that. Um, there's a lot of doctrine that goes into play with 
dreams, revelations, with the sharing of dreams and revelations. If we look to our religion, as established by Joseph Smith and carried on through our modern-day prophet and the apostles, that foundation that I keep hammering home, right, from Second Thessalonians, there is one person on the earth who is allowed to receive revelation for the church and who is allowed to be the mouthpiece for the Lord, and that would be the prophet, right? Many, many, many talks, many, many scriptures, many, many things on that subject, so I'll not go into a bunch of them, but I really, um, really want to caution you against excommunicated members in general, but especially against some of those some of those, uh, that, that specific one and anything related to that. Energy healing um, is straight up false doctrine, brothers and sisters. There's really no other way to, to put it. Um, I've looked into it a little bit. I have uh, just, you know, having friends who've gotten into it and stuff like that. I have looked into it a little bit and you really can trace the roots back to the uh, Eastern mysticism stuff. You know, it, it kind of ties into a lot of the, a lot of the, uh, like, yoga and stuff like that. And I'm not talking about, like, the, the yoga that you would go down to the gym and do, although it does tie into that. I'm talking into the spiritual aspect of that with the, the Eastern mysticism and the, you know, the energy healing that all it is is basically... Eastern mysticism repackaged into an LDS perspective. That's all it is. There's a lot of um, things that you can go and research into that. Um, it's the, the exact same thing. I've watched some Oriental gentlemen practice it, the, the energy healing and stuff, and they end up going into a lot of uh, weird sexuality and, you know, a lot of that weird other stuff going into uh, delving into the spirit world without being authorized to delve into the spirit world, if that makes sense. Um, I guess just to illustrate that further, to further explain what I'm talking about with delving into the spirit world without authorization, that would be uh, things like astral projection, that would be things like... Um, using drugs as a gateway to get into the spirit world to open up the door or the or, or a window all that stuff is very much connected and is a affront uh, to God it is connected to witchcraft it is connected to like I say the Eastern mysticism it's you know it ties into a lot of Aleister Crowley stuff it's just it is not of God it is of the devil. It's just, it's plain and simple. And I'm very concerned with the amount of members who have bought into this kind of stuff. You know, it's it's one of those things. Like we, we have the priesthood. Uh, the proper name of the priesthood is the Holy Order after the Son of God. We, out of respect for Jesus Christ, and out of respect for not wanting to say his name so much, we refer to it as the Melchizedek priesthood, right? He was probably one of the most prominent members of that order, uh, so righteous that he and his city of Salem, like the city of Enoch, was taken into heaven because of their righteousness, because of living a Zion-like society, right? becoming so righteous that the Lord takes him and his city unto himself. And so because of that righteousness, um, because, of, because of who he was, and it has been postulated that he is indeed the son of Noah, uh, Shem, that he and Shem are the same person. We don't know that. 
I find that interesting, and I think that that is highly probable. There are some interesting parallels to that. But whatever the case, whoever he is, he was a righteous enough man that he he now belongs in, you know, he belongs closer to Christ, and he belongs closer to, to our Heavenly Father, closer than we are now here on earth. If we have this priesthood, this priesthood that uh, Simon, the sorcerer in the New Testament, he wanted to pay to get it, right? He had already had some some power, some magical powers and stuff like that, but he wanted to pay to get this power as well because he saw the, the power that it held, the, the healing, he saw all that stuff. And he recognized that it was indeed power. Brothers and sisters, anything other than the priesthood power that we have is not of God. And I can say that boldly, emphatically, and without any hesitation. And it really saddens me that so many of our church membership have been led astray by this energy healing stuff. Again, this stuff is a dead giveaway. It's a red flag. It's priestcraft. If this was something that was of God, then it would be given freely. Rarely, rarely do we... I can't think of anything, right, that is... has anything to do with spirituality that is charged. You know what I mean? It's, it's just one of those things. When you go and give somebody a blessing, especially when there is a ordinance or a prayer attached to it, there is no, uh, there is no exchange of money for that service provided. It is exactly what it is. It's a service. So many of our brothers and sisters have fallen prey to this energy healing stuff, and it is damaging. It's very damaging to our spirit and to our faith, and it provides a gateway to further us from our Heavenly Father, to further us from the Spirit, and to have mistaken identity for the Holy Ghost and for feeling the Holy Ghost. It really opens us up for confusion and for being misled. And I've heard people say that they, well, it's more like a doctor, and that's why they charge. No, no, look at it. There's no science being performed there, guys. It's straight up, you know, <laughs> it really, it ties into a lot of karate kata type things where you're working on your chi and stuff like that. It really is Eastern mysticism repackaged into an LDS perspective, and I would counsel you to stay away from it. Um, Elder Oaks talked about it, where he urged us to basically stay away from it. I'll see if I can find that quote and, and put a link to it in the uh, description below. But it's one of those things that has, it's leading people away. And it is providing for a separation from us and the mouthpiece and the brethren. There are also just straight up members of the ch of our church who are still members of the church, right? Now I'm I'm going kind of less I'm going with the most extreme examples and I'm going to kind of bring it in here. So those are on the outskirts. Those ones should be really obvious, but still we are having people pay attention and lose we're losing members to that false doctrine. So now we can go into taking a look at people, uh, LDS people, LDS members who are YouTubers or otherwise who maybe just put out podcasts and they, they earn some money off of those podcasts, whether that be on YouTube or whatever the case may be, right? That, that I would say, um, is automatically a red flag. That doesn't mean that they're bad people right off the bat. What it means is that it's like a guard dog, right? 
we all should be like a guard dog laying down on the porch. And when we see something approaching us, or when we are on YouTube, or when we're looking for some some spiritual media, as that guard dog on the porch, if we start to see some of these things, that should bring us to a greater level of awareness. Right? We go from laying down on that porch to, if I see monetization, if I see money attached to that, my head goes up. Right? If I start to see you know, a couple of different things like them saying, oh, we know better than the brethren. This is what you should do. You know what I'm saying? You should be, as that guard dog, you should be up to a greater level of awareness every time. And hopefully at the end, you're chasing off that intruder, right? You're chasing off that, that imposter. You're chasing off that false doctrine. But what we're finding, what I'm finding is that so many of our brothers and sisters are... We know that we're living in the last days of the last days. We know that we are close. And I, I've fallen into this trap as well. You know, we want to go out and we want to search for answers. We want to search for plain and precious things that are just kind of spoon-fed to us. Now, I didn't... I didn't know that, but I, you know, something that I have learned recently is that the Lord loves work and effort. And that should be an easy one. We should all know that, but I think we forget that, that the Lord loves work and effort. The Lord also loves his prophets and apostles. He loves his scriptures. So when we go to get information, when we look around and we see that we are living in the last days of the last days, right? We, we really want to get some validation as to what we're feeling because I think that we're all feeling something. You know, those of us who are, are able to, who have ears to hear and eyes to see, and we can, we can feel, we're sensitive to the Spirit, we can tell that something is going on. And so we go and we seek out our other members feeling like this. Oh, look, there's a bunch of members who are feeling like this, and they've done a bunch of videos on it. And those videos might be innocent enough. Like I say, they start out very innocent, right? And then we get like a, a bomb dropped on us, like, like Joseph Smith is, is you know, going to return at some future date. And if that's news to you, you know, that's, uh, that's some fun stuff to delve into. And there's some really good uh, scriptures and some really good prophetic stuff on that. And I would challenge you to go to uh, the two LDS archives and check out his video on that. I recently saw somebody, and I won't list the channel, who they put out a video on that same exact subject. And I wound up watching it, right? And my spirit uh, spider sense was tingling. And I had already seen Micah's, you know, over at the two LDS archives, I'd already seen his uh, presentation on Joseph Smith to return. So I was like, okay, well, I, why am I feeling this? Why, why am I feeling off? What, what's going on here? My spirit's telling me something. Why is it telling me something? I wound up going to the website. After the presentation, I wound up finding a bunch of articles written where they take a stance against the prophet Brigham Young. And then it became very clear. Ah, okay, there's an agenda here. And that agenda runs contrary to that of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Though it will use the same doctrine, it will use um, a lot of the same material, it will use the Book of Mormon, but it will then take those scriptures 
and mingle it with the philosophies of uninspired men. Brothers and sisters, we have to be we have to be a guard dog. We got to be aware of that kind of stuff. When when I saw that, the spiritual guard dog in me was up on all fours, chasing away that doctrine. I said, "Okay," and I'm not talking about the doctrine about Joseph Smith to return. I'm talking about this specific channel. I said, "Okay, we'll never ever touch that again. We'll avoid that channel like the plague. No more. I'm done." Don't need it. There is a concerted effort right now happening outside of the church. And it's always been there. It's growing in popularity and it is growing uh, as members disavow the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints and as they give up their membership voluntarily or as they are cast out because of sin, um, or, you know, what, what have you, excommunication, disfellowship, as they either request to have their name removed or have their names removed because of those things, they will then join the ranks of that opposition. That opposition is to be expected, and it is nothing new, right? There's always going to be people outside of general conference over in Salt Lake City who are going to be trying to tear down our faith and who are going to try to lead us away. What is really concerning to me is that our own people are now creating a rift. You know, if I thought about a couple ways I could attack this. One of the ways that I could attack this, then that they thought about attacking this, was to attack it in a very similar, um, kind of a parallel, but more specific to LDS people, if I were the devil speech, such as what Paul Harvey gave uh, back in the day, just to the general Christian audience. It's fantastic. But I would, I would make it more specific to the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. You know, because if, if I were the devil, or if I were one of his lieutenants, and I wanted to lead away an LDS person, I would start out really subtle. I would use 99% truth bombs, right? Things that were actually really cool, that were absolutely 100% true, even. I would start out with these truth uh, nuggets, these pieces of, of power bait, right? And slowly, over time, I would take away a percentage or two of truth at a time, and I would add my own little interpretation, my own little doctrine into that. With the entire goal, with my end game, obviously being to get them to separate from the doctrine of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Over time, I think what I would do, and what my main uh, focus would be, I would get you away from the brethren however way I could. Now, what do I mean by the brethren? You should know what I mean by now. If I could separate you from the mouthpiece, if I could separate you from the Quorum of the Twelve Apostles, and I don't care if I have to start with the mouthpiece, or if I have to start with your bishop, stake president, area authority, right? I don't care, and I will be dynamic in my approach. I'm going to figure out where you are weakest, and I'm going to start attacking that. I'm going to use your political views, whether you lean right or left. I'm going to find something, and I'm going to start squeezing on that. 
I'm going to use as much as much doctrine, as much scripture, as much past uh, prophetic statements as I can. I'm going to twist everything up into a pretzel, and then I'm going to sell it to you, right? I'm going to give it to you, but with just enough of my influence to where I can start to get you to trust me instead of them. If I can do that, if I can be successful in doing that, I've got you. I've got you. And it was a really interesting thought exercise to think this way. Because I thought about it, and I seriously thought about it. How would I do this? That is exactly how I would do it. President Ezra Taft Benson, when he was the president of the Quorum of the Twelve, gave a talk called The Fourteen Fundamentals in Following the Prophet. After the thought exercise that I did, I went and I listened to it, and I found that a lot of the, <laughs> a lot of the points, a lot of the fundamentals that he had on there, they were the counterpoints to the ones that I was thinking up, right? Think about the things that I've been talking about here. I'm giving you just a portion of my thought process. Why is it so imperative that a lieutenant or that the devil himself separate you from the mouthpiece? Let's take a look at history. After Jesus Christ was resurrected and left the church in the hands of the most senior apostle, which was Peter, the rock, right? Petros. We have the twelve apostles who eventually are killed, and they are killed faster than they can replenish their numbers. Think about the epistles of Paul. What was Paul doing in those epistles? He was correcting false doctrine. And they were forcefully correcting false doctrine. They weren't, you know, they weren't uh, very light about how, uh, in their approach to it. That was the bulk of their work, pretty much. It was like, preach the gospel, and then write some letters back to these, these dorks who are perverting the gospel. What happens when the most senior apostle, the prophet the only authorized person on the earth to receive revelation for the church on behalf of the Savior, Jesus Christ. What happens when he is gone? What happens when the Quorum of the Twelve is gone? You start to be able to become a prophet to yourself. You start to be able to you start to be able to sell yourself whatever piece of doctrine you want. And pretty soon we got our, our history here to show us, you know what I mean, what, what happened to the gospel. Fast forward to, uh, <laughs> to Joseph Smith's time, and he has to go and ask God and get a revelation, you know, have a sacred grove experience as to which church he is supposed to join. By the way, it was none of them. Because they all did what? They drew nigh unto who? They drew nigh unto God with their lips, right? But their hearts were far from him. And we today, in our day and age, want to espouse doctrine that will separate us from the mouthpiece that will separate us from the brethren. You know, the, the tactic it really is age old and I almost, I almost wonder if the people who are being employed in this, who are, you know, some of them members in good standing, understand how they are being used by the adversary. Because when you come out in opposition to the brethren, to the church, 
you are being used by the adversary. And like I say, I, I wanted to just speak really plainly on this. I wanted to I want to speak as if I'm speaking to you as we're sitting on the couch and we're having a conversation about this. Because a lot of people just, they are gobbling up a lot of this false doctrine. You know, and I think that maybe years ago, uh, even maybe recently, a couple of years ago, you know, that there was a lot of this, a lot of stuff that I was espousing. Like, obviously not any of the energy healing and stuff like that, but... I had gotten into a rut, and I think that this is something that is a trap, right? Where we want somebody to interpret the prophecies and the scripture for us, right? We don't want to do the work to see what is actually being said. And that is not a... That's not necessarily a horrible thing, right? But the sources that we choose to cite, the sources that we choose to listen to, is where we can really get fouled up, where our spiritual propeller will get fouled up really badly. And if, we're, if we don't have our spiritual watchdog on guard, we'll end up going down some pretty weird, strange places and pretty soon, Brigham Young isn't a prophet. Pretty soon, Joseph Smith wasn't doing this. You know what I mean? Pretty soon, maybe Sidney Rigdon was right, right? You start to get into some weird stuff that you would never jump to right off the bat. But if you're led there by degrees, if you're poisoned by degrees, it leads to spiritual death, right? Now, as I said, as I, as I practice that thought experiment, my entire goal, if I was on the opposition, would be to get you away from listening to the prophet and the Quorum of the Twelve on, clear on down. I want you away from the church organization, and I want you to trust me. Or, better yet, I want you to trust yourself, right? If I can get you away from the Spirit long enough... I can start to surplant those feelings, and I can confuse the heck out of you. Something that I always say, and something that I've chosen to put into my comment on every single presentation that I do, is hold to the rod. Now, if I can get you to, like, if we're using Lehi's dream as a parable... If I can get Nephi to take his eyes off of his father Lehi, who was the prophet, and if I can get him to start trusting me, if I can get him to start trusting in anything else, if I can get his eyes off of the end goal, which Lehi is trying to get Nephi to, right, is that, that the, the tree of life, right? The fruit. If I can get... If I can get his focus off of the fruit, maybe I can get him to let go of the iron rod. And at first, I'm just trying to get Nephi just to, to, to release his grip from the rod of iron. He hasn't even strayed away yet. He's still on the path. But if I can get him to let go of that rod of iron, and maybe eventually he's walking down some strange paths and he's getting further away from that iron rod, Pretty soon, he's lost, and he won't be able to find his way back if I'm lucky, right? Think about these things, guys, as we, as we continue on here. And as you search for, as you search for knowledge, there is a proper way to do so, and there is a dangerous, improper way to do so. And while we can look to to men as we can you know we can look to women, we can look to people who have insights and who 
are putting out content on YouTube such as myself. You know, I'm I'm I think I'm on every major platform now, though I've just started out with this new podcast. The trend that I am seeing is that we too often will gobble up things without testing the fruits of those things against what we already should know. And if we don't know these things, if we don't know how to see if somebody is preaching things contrary to the gospel of the church, of the gospel of God, you know, that I think that we need to step back and dive into the scriptures, dive into the Book of Mormon, the Bible, right? Stick with the standard works for now, get our bearings, and then maybe start delving into some other things. You know, there's there it really is a safe place to be, and then there's a branch to go out on. I think that one of the things that that we need to really check ourselves on, one of the things that we need to employ in our study, in our searching for answers, is to go to the scriptures, number one, to go to the brethren as well, to go to um, officially sanctioned Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints material on churchofjesuschrist.org. Uh, that would include like Old Testament, New Testament, um, Book of Mormon, Doctrine and Covenants, Pearl of Great Price study manuals, right? Where these are, these have been through wisdom and order brought forth into an existence, right? Using, using the words of prophets and apostles from the past, from present, using scriptures, putting all these things together, they will point you in the right direction. They will they will basically give you a lot of the answers that we're that we're looking for right now. And one of those one of the biggest examples of that, this is just an example here. This isn't to, you know, cause any rifts or anything, but the whole are we in the sixth or seventh seal thing? You can you can search that out and you can figure out which seal we're in, right? And 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 if you go through a lot of these a lot of these presentations on YouTube, on Facebook and stuff like that, you know, they, they would have you believe a certain way. Well, if you go back and you study and you look into the doctrine and you look into these things, there's a lot of things that are supposed to happen, right, before you enter into the seventh seal. Some of these things just haven't happened yet, right? So we, we it kind of, we, we know what seal we're in. We're, we, we know where we're at, right? But if we expect to be spoon-fed uh, the doctrine of the kingdom, we really have another thing coming for us, brothers and sisters. That's not how it's supposed to be. And that's something that I've discovered recently. It's like, you have to put in the work. You're not going to be able to learn algebra by having somebody spoon feed it to you, you know it's it's one of those things you have to you have to put forth the effort and you have to grind through that learning you have to you have to carve those those new neuron paths through your brain to make stuff like that work. It's the exact same way with the gospel of Jesus Christ and with learning this doctrine. If we expect to be able to understand Isaiah, do we expect? That it's going to be spoon-fed to us. You know, it's it, it's one of those things. We we can listen to all these presentations that we want, and some of them I I genuinely think are good-natured and good-hearted and stuff like that. But there was an alarming amount of things that I started to look into that were tied to either excommunicated members or that were inspired by excommunicated members and were then being carried on by somebody who was a member in good standing in the church. You know what I mean? And these are, like, some of these people are, are temple-recommend-holding individuals. But we really have to be on guard, and we really have to be super attentive 
into what we are espousing as our study guide. When, and this will be, this is my closing on this, on this piece here, this, this little voice of warning, this little piece of advice. When you study a subject, Holy Ghost, right? Do, do the things necessary to have the Holy Ghost present as you study. That takes work, by the way. Um, obviously saying the prayer and stuff like that. Go to the scriptures. See what the scriptures say. See if there's any Joseph Smith translations on anything. You know what I'm saying? Look into everything that you can with the scriptures. Go to the, the study manuals. Go to what the brethren have said on the subject, past and present. And if something from the past conflicts with something that is present, take the stuff from the present. Okay? That's that's how it goes. That's that's how this stuff is supposed to work. Anything other than that, I don't know that I would mess with. And this is coming from somebody who has started reading books, you know, or had started reading books from really prominent authors like Michael B. Rush, you know what I mean, like uh, uh, a a Abraham Gileadi and stuff. Like, a year ago, I was consuming that stuff. Now, I have chosen to take that stuff and place it into the, basically, Alan's spiritual... Uh, science fiction right <laughs> section of of my library like that is i will i will no longer be taking that stuff as doctrine as i had been doing right and that's nothing against those those people who are members in good standing who happen to put books out for me for the times that we are in which are incredibly dangerous being the last days of the last days I'm going to be extraordinarily careful about my sources and where I get information from. Even to the point of saying, you know what, if it's not coming from an apostle, if it is not officially sanctioned by the brethren, I, I just don't think I'm going to be adopting it into my core. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's one of those things. And there's a lot of, believe me, it hurts to do that. Because there's some fun stuff that, you know, I, I think we need to be honest with ourselves where we, there's a lot of stuff that we want to be true, right? There's a lot of stuff that we, we really want and we desire to be true. You know, we, we want to feel vindicated. We want to we just want it to be true really badly. And so we'll go out of our way to kind of try to twist ourselves into pretzels and to, to twist our view into pretzels into making that a reality. That is the wrong approach, brothers and sisters. What we need to do is go to the source of doctrine. And for us, that is the standard works words of the prophets, uh, officially sanctioned material, right? Now, if you were to take a guess out of which one of those is the most important to us, what would be your guess? It would be the living oracle, the prophet. Now, there was a Joseph Smith once was um, he was talking with the brethren. They were having a meeting. And one of the brethren was disgruntled. And he said, you have this, these, you know, basically said, you have the scriptures before you. You have the Bible. You have the Book of Mormon. We have all this stuff, right? We, we have the standard works of the time. You should be preaching and conforming your preaching and your prophesying as to what is in these books. And Joseph said, oh. And I'm sure in his mind he thought, teachable moment, teachable moment. He said, Brother Brigham, 
would you please take the stand? And would you give us your thoughts on the matter? And the story gives me goosebumps even talking about. Brigham Young stood up on the stand. He held up the books of Scripture. He said, Brethren, before us we have these books of Scripture from the ancient prophets to the ancient peoples. I would trade all of them for the living mouthpiece, for the living oracle of the of the prophet today. For that is what matters to me, and that is how God is speaking to me today. You want to talk about teachable moment? That was a teachable moment. And that one is one that keeps on teaching. Brothers and sisters, if they can separate you from the brethren, from the mouthpiece, they've got you. They can start to spoon-feed you any type of weird doctrine that they want after that, and you'll, you'll, you'll gobble it up, all the while thinking that you are the vicar of Christ, right? It is so subtle. We are losing members to this. We are losing members, our brothers and sisters, to this tactic. And it is very effective. It is a baited fishhook that has led many of our brothers and sisters away from the gospel of Jesus Christ as taught by the Lord's mouthpiece and as taught by the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. I'm talking returned missionaries. I'm talking people who are in good standing at this point. You know, Temple recommend holding members. I'm going to close here by making a point. And I'm going to save my, my scripture material for the midweek spiritual thought, I think, this week. So this, this week it'll come from me. I usually try to post something from the brethren, but this is, this is uh, I'll make it an exception this week. And I'll bring you something from, from uh, Alma. But I will close with this. The Parable of the Ten Virgins. I think that we interpret that as being the church membership worldwide as a whole. Anyone who is baptized into the church, right? I would offer to you, brothers and sisters, that that is not the case. I would challenge you to go and to study the parable of the ten virgins again. The parable of the ten virgins, that is the, the elite. Those are the believing, right? Because, and there's a really great point that, that um, was pointed out to me, actually, as I listened to Micah, the, the two LDS archives, talk about this. And that point was, you know, whenever the Lord is speaking about his servants... Um, he has a tendency to be really honest and brutal, right? Which is a great thing for us, because it leaves little room for for uh, miscommunication and for misinterpretation. We see that through many other parables, he will refer to servants who are not up to snuff as wicked. See, that, that wicked servant did this, right? They performed evil in my eyes. They did this or this or this, right? In the case of the parable of the ten virgins, we have the foolish virgins and we have the wise virgin virgins. 
the point I would make with that is that take the church membership. Now let's take it with the people who are actually worthy, who are legitimately worthy to attend the marriage uh, feast, right? To attend the marriage. Everybody there who actually is worthy to attend is just that. They're worthy, right? We're talking about doing their callings. We're talking about uh, living the gospel, having a temple recommend, right? Being recommended to the Lord to be able to attend the marriage. However, 50%, only 50%, half of those people, of the creme de la creme of our Latter-day Saint, our Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, were wise and were prepared with oil in their lamps. The other 50%, they had lamps, right? They had their lamps ready. But there wasn't oil in the lamps. That's what made them foolish. And that ultimately cost them entrance into the marriage, right? I really want us to be careful. I really want us to be so careful about where we choose to consume our gospel content. Anything other, or anything coming from anything other than the prophet, the twelve apostles, sanctioned church media, including all those new, you know, all those uh, uh, study manuals that we can study out of and stuff. Obviously, the scriptures, right? If we're reading those in the right spirit, there really shouldn't be a whole lot of, of leeway for us to get away, right? Usually it takes a servant of, of the other side to use those scriptures in certain ways to get us away from, from the mouthpiece, This is my voice of warning to you to be very cautious and very careful about where you choose to consume your information, especially when it comes to spiritual uh, information in nature. Because it is that, that hunger for spiritual information that is costing us people. We, are, we, we have casualties from that. And not only that, then they will create a platform and they will then preach those things that they have just been espoused. Very much like a Nihor, right? Very much like the, those things. And I'm not saying they're Nihors. What I'm saying is that the same thing happens. It's not just a pattern of you getting taught something false, it's that then you will go and teach your brothers and sisters, potentially with blood on your hands at the end of this life, causing them to, such as the case of Alma the Younger and the sons of Mosiah, having some spiritual deaths on your hands, right? I hope that I have... Um, adequately communicated why it's important for us to be extremely careful with the sources, why it's extremely important for us to make sure that we are ever watchful, that our spiritual watchdog is, is alert because it's going to get worse. It really is going to get worse. 
And if we want to be ready for what's coming, we have to have oil in our lamps. We have to be... We have to be going to the correct places. And we have to be one with the Lord. We have to be one with each other. We have to understand what's happening. We have to understand where we're at, right? And a great way to do that is to stick with sources that are founded in authoritative places and that have a, that are just by themselves authoritative sources. People do not like hearing that today. I never thought that I would see the day when a phrase like, follow the prophet, he knows the way, would split members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints down the middle. I never thought that I would see that day or see that happen. You know, those of us who are returned missionaries, think back to the mission field. If you were talking with your fellow missionaries and that were to happen, how confident would you be in those other missionaries? Like that, that would be something to where you'd kind of want to contact the president and say, uh, we got a problem here. This is some fundamental stuff. I hope you guys aren't getting sick of me hammering home this whole foundation thing. Because this is spiritually killing our brothers and sisters. Literally, it's spiritually killing some of them. An alarming number of them. And we just... We have to hold on to the iron rod as things go forward. You know, I, I really hope that my ramblings here have been of value to somebody because this really is, it's, it's, it's common sense. But sometimes you kind of have to have these things pointed out, right? At the bottom of my description, I always say that if anything that I have said comes into conflict with that of what the brethren have said, they are right and I am wrong. That is because... They are a extremely much better source of information, right, than I could ever hope to be. And that's how it is for every one of us, uh, Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saint presenters who have a platform. You know, I have, I have my little watchtower here that I have set up. Because I believe that hopefully through the Holy Ghost, things that I am, I am saying will, will reclaim somebody. That's, that's, that's my whole end goal. You now have my, my entire reason behind doing this podcast. We have to do our best to do our part to make sure that our brothers and sisters have a shot and have a chance. And like I say, I don't want to stand before the Savior at the last day and have him say, you knew this stuff to be true and you, you didn't tell anybody? You know, th this is me doing what I can here, reaching as many ears as I can. especially with things that I'm seeing happen right now. This being one of them. A huge one of them. And it took me a year to uncover some of this stuff. It really did. It took, it took some pretty serious uh, life lessons and life, you know, friendship-altering things to see and to experience for me to arrive to this point. And just as President Nelson has said, you know, going forward, people who you thought were your friends will betray you. Things will not seem fair. You know, the, we're, we're here, guys. We're there. This is where 
We uh, gird up our loins and fresh courage take, right? This is it. Don't be foolish. Do not let go of that iron rod. Do not allow anybody or anything to separate you from the voice of the living oracle on the earth today. Do not allow anybody to ultimately separate you from Christ. This is his church. He is actively steering it. He is actively guiding it. He is actively communicating with the most senior apostle and the quorum of the twelve. And that information is actively being relayed to us. Don't cut the thread. Don't separate yourselves. Don't, don't cut the ties that bind. And I say that and leave that with you in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you.